chapter eighteen of the splendid outcast by george gibbs this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tony oliva at bay piquette sent one fleeting glance at her then stepped out upon the sill of the french window which extended to the floor when she turned toward moira a little pale and breathing rapidly her hands were empty what did you throw out of the window what are you doing here moira asked again moving quickly to the push-button by the door answer me or i'll ring piquette by this time had recovered some of her composure oh, madame it is not necessaire to ring she said easily i can explain myself if you will but listen you have no right in this room unless you are a servant of the hotel and that you are not no madame said piquette coolly i am no servant of the hotel but strange to say even against my will i am your friend my friend who are you piquette glanced toward the door into the hall rather anxiously if you will permit me to come into your room i will answer you moira hesitated for a moment and then indicated the door by which she had entered piquette preceded her into the room as moira stood by the door still uncertain but curious as to this stranger who claimed friendship piquette indicated the door you will please close it madame she urged with a smile i am quite armless and moira obeyed catching the bolt into its place and turning with an air very little mollified who are you she demanded shortly answer me instead of replying at once piquette sank into a chair crossed one knee over the other and leaned forward her chin on her fingers staring frankly at her companion you are handsome madame orton she murmured as though grudgingly very handsome moira flushed a little and returned the other woman's look a sudden suspicion flashing across her mind that this woman this was who are you she stammered i-i am madame morin and i am called piquette said the visitor clearly moira recoiled a pace her back as flat as the door behind her you piquette morin you dare quietly madame orton said piquette gently i have told you i am your friend go madame said moira in a choking voice and pointing to the door go but piquette did not move ah you do not believe me it is the truth i am your friend i am proving it by coming in here by trying to help you in this i do not need your help madame will you go yes madame orton i will go in a minute when i tell you the risk jim orton and i have run to keep you from making of yourself a fool moira gasped at the impudence what i am does not matter but what you and jim horton are does i wish to hear no more not even that monsieur quinlevin has got the vilain tricot to shoot at us in the train piquette shrugged sapristi madame orton 
if we had been killed you would perhaps think it a proof of friendship she had caught the girl's attention but moira still demurred i ask no favors of you madame morin she said haltingly no madame Orton, said piquette quietly but i have give them freely for you for him perhaps you think that is nothing for me to do <laughs> la la i am only human after all so was moira piquette's purposeful ambiguity aroused her curiosity and she turned toward the french girl her glance passing over her with a new interest i don't understand you madame she said coldly i did not hope that you would but it is not so difficile i tried to help monsieur g morton because he has taught me what it means to be brave and faithful and honorable to the one he loved and because you are blind and will not see not so blind that i have not seen what you would have hidden i have nothing to hide from you madame Orton. i am proud of the friendship of jim Orton. i would go to the end of the world to make him happy friendship gasped moira i love madame said piquette gently call it what you please and you dare to tell me this you piquette only smiled faintly yes i love him and then with the simplicity of a child don't you madame moira stared at her for a second as though she hadn't heard correctly no no this is too much you will oblige me you wish me to go said piquette with a shrug in a moment but first let me tell you that what monsieur quinlevin has told you about us is a lie all lies you forget madame said moira that i have seen piquette smiled because i go to sleep with my head on his shoulder and what is that for shame madame jim orton care nothing for me i bring him out of the house in the rue charron i nurse him in my apartment you think he make love to me when he think of you piquette laughed scornfully what kind of woman are you to see the love in the eyes of an honest man and not remember it for the greatest thing that come in a woman's life his eyes mon dieu madame i know the eyes of men he only love once jim horton and you think he make love to me i would give myself to him but what jim horton give to me is much more sweet more beautiful he kiss me on the brow madame like i was a child when i would give him my body piquette stopped and then gently a woman like me madame can only worship a man like that moira was leaning against the bed-rail her head bent her eyes searching out piquette's very soul and you madame said piquette her voice gathering scorn in its very suppression you madame who love him too you listen to everything his enemies say against him you believe these lies you let them try to kill him you help them bring you to dishonor 
you try to keep him from saving you from disgrace what kind of a woman are you madame to have a love like that thrown at your feet and walk away and leave it like a dead flower upon the ground must it take a woman like me to show you what is fine and noble in the world you send him away into the night Je ciel is there no blood in your heart madame no tenderness no pity for the love of a man like jim Horton? love you do not know what love is you stop madame gasped moira her lips gray and trembling under the wrist that masked her eyes you dare not tell me what love is you don't know everything yes said piquette quietly i know everything but only god could keep me from the man i love yes god whispered moira tensely only god the pallor of her face the agonized clutch of her white fingers on the table and the tone of her voice silenced piquette and she glanced up at moira partly in pity partly in scorn piquette's education had not fitted her to understand the motives of women different from herself but she saw in moira's face the scars of a great passion and the marks of suffering not to be denied and so after a painful moment for moira she turned her glance aside i cannot speak of this to you madame she heard the girl stammer you have no right to judge me but to question my motives and if i've misjudged you or jim horton god knows i'm sorry for it but you madame why should you come and tell me these things moira's breath seemed suspended while she waited for the woman's answer piquette traced for a moment with her finger on the arm of the chair you may be sure it has cost me something she said slowly does he know does jim horton know no madame he knows nothing then why because said piquette rising with some dignity because it pleases me madame what jim horton wish is my wish too he love you eh bien what he is to me does not matter moira stared at her dully she could not believe if you do not understand me madame piquette continued it is because you do not wish to understand because all this sacrifice he make for you is in vain you listen to their lies become a partner in crime to get money which does not belong to you how do you know this harry orton your husband told me the truth harry yes madame i was a friend to your husband you the glances of the two women met held each other read each other omitting nothing it was piquette who looked away if self-abasement was to be the measure of her sacrifice she had neglected nothing and now she said quietly if you please i shall go away not yet madame said moira gently not until i tell you that i know what you have done and that i believe what you have said thank you she caught piquette by the hand and held her i cannot be less noble than you madame forgive me it is jim horton 
who should forgive i have done him a great wrong and you and i must do him another great wrong you have said that only god could keep you from the man you love god has kept me from jim horton i cannot see him again but you cannot stay here madame put in piquette earnestly no perhaps not wearily but you have taught me something if sacrifice is a test that love exacts like you i can bear it and make jim orton suffer too cried piquette wildly what for you think i tell you these things madame you must go with him to paris no i can't what will you do i don't know yet i must think you will do what he asks of you no you must see him no don't ask me madame there was a knock upon the door into the corridor repeated quickly the two women exchanged glances moira bewildered piquette dismayed she had remained too long monsieur quinlevin she whispered moira a finger to her lips beckoned her toward the door into nora burke's room when there was another quick knock and quinlevin entered quickly followed by another figure moira why didn't you the irishman began and then his glance passed to piquette ah you hear madame he frowned with quick suspicion glancing toward the door into his own room and then suddenly beckoned his follower in it was monsieur tricot bent hobbling but full of every potentiality for evil quinlevin closed and locked the door behind him putting the key into his pocket and then with a muttered injunction to his companion unbolted and opened the door into his own room and disappeared moira had scarcely time to note the villainous look the apache cast in piquette's direction when quinlevin came striding in like a demon of vengeance ah madame morin he snapped it seems as though i were just in time what have you done with the papers the little patches of color upon piquette's lips and eyes seemed suddenly to grow darker in the pallor of her face for tricot's evil face nearby was leering at her tricot whose secrets she knew and whose secrets she had betrayed she was horribly frightened but she managed to control her voice as she replied steadily what papers monsieur i know nothing of any papers the papers referring to the de vautrin case your papers moira your birth certificate and the letters which went with it moira stood near the door into nora's room pale but composed and now she spoke bravely madame morin has not left this room since she came into it i know nothing of any papers piquette smiled inwardly her embassy had not been entirely without success but quinlevin glanced quickly at moira suspicion becoming a certainty oh we'll see about this and striding quickly to nora burke's door locked it securely and then to piquette you'll please accompany me into my room madame morin he said dryly perhaps monsieur tricot and i can find a way to unlock your lips piquette cast an appealing glance at moira you'll let madame morin go pleaded the girl to the irishman no he thundered there will be no more trickery here and you'll stay here too under lock and key 
until your new friend speaks the two women were helpless and they knew it already tricot's sharp talons had closed on piquette's shoulder but with an effort at composure she shrugged him off and entered the door beside which barry quinlevin stood bowing with ironical politeness piquette caught just one glimpse of moira's white face before the door closed between them then the key was turned in the lock the other key also and she sank rather helplessly into a chair a prisoner this locking of doors is a game that two persons may play at madame said quinlevin easily in french our friend the deserter locks me in with monsieur de vautrin and while you rifle my papers and now i keep you prisoner until they are found where are they madame his voice was soft but even in the dim light iridescent fires played forbiddingly in his little eyes piquette was silent her glance passing about the obscurity as though in search of a resting-place she feared quinlevin but more than him she feared the evil shape just beside her shoulder she could not see tricot but she felt his presence the evil leer at his lips the bent shoulders the vulture-like poise of his head and the vengeance lust burning in his little red eyes for whatever monsieur quinlevin owed her here she knew was her real enemy the papers madame quinlevin repeated more brusquely still no reply you took them from behind the bracket yonder what did you do with them they are gone she said quickly where that i shall not tell you she felt the claws of tricot close upon her shoulder until she shrank with the pain but she made no sound one moment tricot said the irishman there are first other ways of making madame speak release her tricot obeyed of course tricot and i can search you piquette laughed search me monsieur it is your privilege i am not squeamish the irishman frowned there was no doubt that what he had proposed had no terrors for a life model but there were other means at his disposal to find out what he wished to know i should have remembered your metier madame he sneered and then our friend tricot has a long memory he is not a man who forgets if you will look at him you will see that this chance meeting is much to his liking piquette did not dare to look it seems the irishman went on that the betrayal of the secrets of the small society to which you belong is a grave offence i betrayed no secrets said piquette finding her voice no one knows of the affair of the rue de charron except monsieur horton who will tell it when he is less busy no he will tell nothing tricot is not willing to take that chance eh tricot no snapped the vulture piquette knows the penalty she'll pay it and if i pay it said piquette bravely you'll know no more about what has become of your papers than you do now quinlevin made a sign to tricot there's something in that but i'm in no mood to be trifled with that ought to be pretty clear it is i'm not trifling then spake or quinlevin 
paused significantly piquette continued to glance around the room as though in a hope that something might happen to release her from her predicament it had now grown dark outside but her captors showed no disposition to make a light and yet it seemed impossible that they would dare she tried to gain time and if i could tell you what has happened to the papers she asked uncertainly will you let me go yes speak and if i cannot tell you i will tell you madame you will be left here alone in this room with the good tricot and as piquette shrank down into her chair he is very ingenious rascal tricot never yet has he been caught by the police quinlevin stopped suddenly his gaze on the rectangle of the open window as though listening an open window he mumbled i left it so perhaps but do you go tricot and look out perhaps there is some one below the man obeyed without a sound vanishing outside the window upon the small portico no one can help you madame quinlevin said in a threatening whisper for at my word tricot shall be quick and silent he caught piquette furiously by the wrist and twisted it what have you done with my property he asked nothing you are lying tricot's silhouette appeared at the window monsieur he whispered tensely there is a man below horton said quinlevin what is he doing crawling in the bushes monsieur the clutch on piquette's arm grew tighter what did you do with the papers i burned them in the fireplace she said desperately quinlevin rushed to the hearth and struck a match examining the ashes minutely then he straightened quickly you lie madame i burned some letters here this morning the ashes are just as i left them in one stride he was at her side again a pistol in his hand he caught her roughly by the arm and she bit her lip to keep from crying out with pain he is down there what did you do with the papers answer me let me go no what will you do unless you tell me the truth shoot him from the window you would not dare she whispered in spite of her pain the people of the hotel will investigate the police bah a burglar comes along the portico i shoot him he falls will you tell the truth are the papers in this room i won't tell very well and then turning to his companion at the window what is he doing now tricot he does not move the irishman released piquette suddenly a better chance for a shot then he snapped here tricot and he moved toward the window his weapon eloquent piquette sprang up despairingly monsieur she cried for the love of god don't shoot i will tell i thought so where are they quick i-i he had her by the wrists now one on each side and tricot's skinny hand threatened her throat spake i-i threw them out of the window she gasped it was evident that at last in her terror she had spoken the truth with an oath quinlevin threw her aside and ran to the window while tricot twisted her arm back of her his other hand at her throat Jim! she shrieked in a last despairing effort go go and then the fingers of the apache closed 
and the sound was stifled as she fell back in a chair helpless shut up damn you growled quinlevin keep her quiet you not death you understand we may need her piquette heard these things dimly a torrent was roaring at her ears and her eyeballs seemed to be starting from her head as she fought for her breath but the relentless fingers pressed at her windpipe and you monsieur she heard tricot ask i'm going down into the garden if she speaks the truth i'll find it out dimly she heard the door open and shut and the key turned in the lock while she fought tricot but strong as she was she knew that she was no match for him his arms were like steel springs his fingers like iron but still she fought trying to make a commotion that would arouse the hotel but tricot had pinioned her in her chair and even the dim light that came in at the open window grew black before her eyes she struggled again at the very verge of the gate of oblivion it seemed choking choking when a pain sharper than that at her throat came at her side be quiet croaked tricot's voice at her ear and she obeyed for death was in his voice and in his hand End of chapter 18